there, praise God. Are you excited about that? Yeah. Glory, I am super excited about this book. Uh, Reverend Sean Gehring, which is uh, uh, Dr. Jacobs' personal assistant, uh, designed this particular cover on the book. I saw it, my wife saw it, just like, that's the one. I love it. It, it just says everything that I'm wanting to convey. And uh, we'll just have it out in just a couple of weeks here, I believe. And uh, I'm just super excited about it. 16 chapters on Bible prosperity. And I couldn't have written this book two years ago. I couldn't have because the Lord was continuing to teach. And he still is. But he had some things for me to learn, to experience, to overcome. And I put those. It's, it's five additional chapters. Uh, and it's my life, you know, uh, so far <laughs> being poured into this material. And I'm just excited about where God's going to take all of the books that we've written. Amen. And uh, just excited about it. So hope that you'll get yours. Amen. And uh, so I want to invite you to turn in your Bible tonight to Ephesians, uh, the fourth chapter. Uh, we're going to pause just for a bit uh, for a single service here, I believe, uh, in the, from the flow we've been in on being led by the Spirit. The anointing just lifted off of me for that subject uh, this afternoon. And I said, well, Father, that's not clicking. So where do we need to go? And he said, well, why don't you talk about the prophet's ministry? You've got a prophet coming and help prepare the people. Amen. And so I've said, Father, I'm happy to do that, as you would help me to do it. And um, the last book that I published, it's, it's the most supernatural book. Um, they all have an element of the supernatural on them because, not because I'm special, it's just because I don't write because I see a need out there. I don't write, uh, sit down and type and write a book because, um, um, you know, I just felt like I wanted to be an author. You know what I mean? I got, uh, but, uh, and it would just frustrate me. I only write when I, feel, when I sense the inspiration to write, the anointing on me for that subject. And um, uh, this one, uh, called the Prophet Honor Connection, um, would be great to pick up and read. It's just, it's just pretty thin. It's a, it's a quick and easy read. But to feed on this and meditate on this leading up to the meetings. And we've had someone that's just made this kind of a personal outreach uh, buy five of these and ask me to give them away to people that did not have this book if they promised to read it. Is there anybody like that? I know this book has been widely... Austin, come get it. Uh, Dale, come get one. Uh, yeah, come get one. I'm just trying to even remember people's names. I'm kind of out there flowing in the Holy Ghost. There you go, Brittany. Yeah, I know who she is. <laughs> did you get yours? Okay. Amen. I've got two more. Okay. It's Vicky. Who's going to be the lucky one over here? Amen? Okay, now you got to read it. You're going to read it. Okay, you got tonight, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you're an intelligent, smart, he studies this, Bob. So, amen. You, go, you do homeschool too, right? So you could tell your teacher that this is your literature assignment. Maybe you could get some, some fall credit. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if you don't have one and... Uh, there's still some out there in the bookstore, and I encourage you to, to get that. In fact, I, I have mine. Bear with me, because I'm going to reference it a little bit uh, tonight. Is this going to be okay? Yes, sir. I believe it's going to be good. If it's God, it'll be good. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to have a meeting that's been carved out. Glory to God, where we could come and expose our lives to a different ministry gift. 
to the prophet's ministry. And though it has been dismissed, maligned, uh, pushed to the extreme in some circles, uh, misunderstood, Father, we recognize the legitimate office of the prophet in the church today. And you've given it as a gift. I don't want to pray out my message, but we just so thank you, Father. I'm just praying that you'll give us revelation in these few minutes we have tonight. That you'll stir up a hunger in us tonight to receive and to get all that you have for us. And not just another quote-unquote revival service. Or it's not just another meeting. And just not, not another thing to fill the church calendar. But a divine appointment. And a wonderful opportunity. And so I just so thank you that you're imparting your revelation. You're helping me minister. You're helping them to receive. We'll give you all the glory for all that's done in our midst yet remaining tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, amen. So uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, I'd like to start here. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 7 and just remind many of you uh, of this uh, truth in this passage of Scripture here. Paul said, but unto every one of us, now, he's writing to Christians in Ephesus, right? And so it would be true for us today. But unto every one of us is given grace. Amen. And, and we know that grace could be increased. We just saw that prophetically tonight. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, uh, God will give more grace in the book of James. So you could have grace and you could have that grace increased. Amen. But every one of us, as a member of the body of Christ, we are graced by God to do something in the kingdom. Amen. So each of us has, has received grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And, and so the grace on your life should not be diminished in your thinking. It should not be made small in your own thinking. Um, just a greeter, uh, just... I'm a prayer person, or all this or all that. No, no, no. Where did this gift come from? From Christ. Christ is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. So the very head, the general, the captain of our salvation, the CEO of the body of Christ gave you your own personal grace from Him. Amen. This is what's so sad about these wonderfully talented uh, singers and musicians and they were brought up and developed their grace, their gift in the church and then they took it to Nashville, they took it to Hollywood, amen, uh, and, and compromised their faith and their integrity to go make money with it. When God meant that gift to... Now, to be out there in a, in a, in a, in a measure is fine, but you ought to be singing the right stuff and wearing proper clothes and... And in church on Sunday, Use, you know, bringing your gift where it ought to be brought. Amen. Whatever special talent or gift that you have, are you just employing that at work to make money? Are you just employing that at home to benefit your family? Or are you doing anything for the kingdom with that talent? I don't care whether you're a carpenter or a landscaper or a person of intercession, or both. Amen. We should be employing our talents and our abilities and our graces to advance the kingdom. I'm doing good preaching. Amen. Already. Hallelujah. So then it says, Wherefore he, he saith, when he, Jesus, ascended up on high, after his resurrection, that's a reference, right? 
He led captivity captive, and He gave gifts to men. Now skip down to verse 11. And He gave. So we've already read that every member of the body of Christ has been the recipient of a gift from Jesus that He called a grace. Amen? But now He's going to single out some specific gifts that He gave. i got to mint my mouth. That's messing with me. See, that on TV preacher, that's, that's a no-no. You're not supposed to do that. I got forced into it, so. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, And He, Jesus, gave some apostles. What's the next one? And some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, the next several verses tell us why and for how long. These are important questions. Why and how long? So these gifts, now not just pastors, there's more than one gift in this list. They are given, verse 12, for the perfecting, that word is the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Till, I would say until. This is going to reference how long? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Can I ask you, has that happened yet? No, it hadn't happened yet. Until we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a mature man, perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we, now he's going to go back to why these gifts were given, to what end, what will they accomplish. That we, so these gifts are given from Jesus to men, so that we, henceforth, be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which by every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the building up of itself in love. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians, back to the left, chapter 12. And I want to give you a second reference and then I want to make a few comments about this prophet's ministry, this prophet's office. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, uh, praise God, this is a, uh, ought to be a very familiar passage of Scripture. In verse number 12, Paul launches out in this discourse about the church, about the body of Christ. And he says, For as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Okay? And so, uh, here we have this beginning of a picture where the body of Christ is being uh, symbolized as a human body. And so, you might look at my human body, and it's one body. But, this one body is made up of many members. I mean, 216 bones. Many organs. Then all the muscles, my circulatory system, the different members, right? And their different functions, the thumb, the finger, the hand, the arm, the forearm, the leg, the thigh, 
come on, the hips, the, the back, the shoulders. So, you know, uh, you could single out any one member, but it takes all of them together to make one fully functioning body. And so he goes in for several verses, we'll not read them, to talk about every one of us is a member in this body. Every single one of us has a place where we fit, right? Where we're a, we're a joint, we have a place, we have a function in the body. We need to find out what that is and get into that joint, get into that place. But then at the end of this discourse, I wanted to give you the context. Look at verse number 28, and he's going to single out some of these individual members of the body. Look at verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, that's a reference to the evangelist's office, helps, governments, uh, that is a reference to the pastoral office, diversity of tongues, okay? So notice here, uh, it's worded a little bit different, but we have that same fivefold ministry list in two, two, two passages Ephesians, 1 Corinthians. First thing I want to say here to clarify is that many in the body of Christ have been taught to believe that the apostle's office and the pastoral office, or excuse me, the prophet's office does not function in the body today, it does not exist. They don't recognize it in the church today. That's dangerous because you will never benefit from a gift from Jesus that you don't even recognize. Right. Amen. Now, I know you're going to have to, I'm, this is just going to be a statement, and you're going to have to prove it out, but there is no hint in the New Testament of these two particular gifts having an expiration date before all the other gifts would. So in that list in Ephesians, remember he said, till we all come to the unity of the faith, till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, till we all come to a place of full maturity. Did he say, uh, only the pastor's office and the evangelist's office will last until we get there? No. All of the gifts have the same expiration date assigned to them till we all come into the unity of the faith. That has not happened yet. That's why the pastor's office is still a thing. That's why the evangelist's office is still a thing. That's why they're still teachers. But you cannot just say, huh, no prophets, no apostles without giving Scripture for that. Now, I did my research today, and uh, uh, the book of Ephesians was written in A.D. 60-61, right around in, the, in that time frame, okay? So we're talking about six decades after Jesus left and took His place at the Father's right hand. So we're saying, Paul is writing this to the church six decades after Jesus went to heaven. And he's talking to them about apostles and prophets saying that they're, they're here, they're in the body of Christ. Yes, Amen? Amen. Paul, Paul is maybe a, a middle-aged man, but he's about, to, he's about to go. But he's talking about prophets. Amen. And all the, uh, you know, 
uh, some of the uh, remaining 11 original apostles had already been martyred at this time. He's not referring to them. But he's talking about this gift that he's telling the church at Ephesus to receive from. 1 Corinthians was written in AD 56. And Paul is talking to them about the ministry gifts of the apostle and the prophet. Amen. So if you want to say that these are not valid ministries today, it's on you to give me Scripture. It's not on me to prove. I've proven to... Here's two letters from uh, the, the premier man of God that God used to write the New Testament, and he's talking about the gifts of the apostle and the prophet along with the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist. And this weekend, now see, here's what you got to understand. Oh, it's just another church meeting. You know, I've got, I'm busy. I've got stuff to do. Listen, you need to understand something. That's why I'm talking to you about this. I am not a prophet. A prophet is not a pastor. Pastor is not a teacher. I mean, a pastor and a teacher, I have both of those functioning, but you know what I mean? Uh, these are different ministry gifts. It's not just another preacher with a different name. It's kind of the same thing. No, if you don't come, you are turning down a rare and precious opportunity to expose your life to a ministry gift. Think about what we read. This is a gift from Jesus. Amen. He ascended on high. He gave gifts unto men. Why did He give them? For the maturing, for the building up, for the growing up, for the uh, equipping of you. I've just been the recipient of just some wonderful gifts. I have one of them in my pocket. And uh, I've been slow to get my uh, thank you card out, but it's in the mail. I don't know if you got it. Did you get it? Okay, praise the Lord. And uh, it's a Father's Day gift, and uh, I like knives. I'm actually scared of them. If I had to pick a way I don't want to go out, it would be like that. Um, but, uh, man, this has just become a favorite of mine. It's my primary. And uh, this is the Gibbs knife. Now, if you don't know, I feel sorry for you if you don't know what I mean. This is the Gibbs knife, N-C-I-S. This is the knife that Leroy Jethro Gibbs, the character, carries in his pocket and eats his steak with on the show. Now, when, when PJ uh, presented this gift from he and Sherry to me, I was glad to receive it. I thought I lost it the other night at the drive-in. I couldn't find it. I was upset. I thought it's fallen out of my pocket, and here it's midnight, and we're leaving. We're exhausted. We're tired, and I'm just so glad. I, I burnt the midnight on. I found it in the truck. Hallelujah. But, you know, when someone gives you a gift, if you're smart, you're glad to receive it. And the, the more precious the gift, have you ever received something but you had to leave your house to receive it? I have, yeah. Leave your house, you had to go somewhere to receive it. Well, the more precious and the more valued the gift, the more glad you are to move whatever out of the way out of your schedule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I said Monday and Tuesday night, I have rented out the Longhorn Anything you want on the menu from 6 to 10 is yours and it's on my dime. I guarantee there wouldn't be no T-ball that night, you know, whatever. You would move 
And there wouldn't be any of this, uh, well, i got to get up in early in the morning. No, you would find a way to get up early in the morning. To go get the carrot cake and the molten chocolate and the, oh, the, the mushrooms and then the, if you like the salmon, the steak, the flame, they do a good job over there. You would do it. Amen. The reason people don't attend opportunities like this is because they don't honor the gift. They don't see it as a gift. They don't recognize the gift. Now, this is not a gift from a man. This is a gift from the head of the church to you. Amen. To accomplish all those things Ephesians said it would accomplish. So don't give lip service to the, to the thing of, yeah, I want to grow spiritually. And then deny yourself a rare opportunity to put yourself in, a, in the prophet's room. See, tonight you're in the pastor's room. But there's, it's just a whole... Now, he's going to preach from the same Bible, and yeah, he's a preacher, and, and there's some similarities, but there's things that Jesus put in the prophet's gift that you cannot get from a teacher, from an evangelist, or from a pastor. And since those opportunities are rare... You, you, people that have any sort of revelation about them, they're going to do whatever they can do to be at the buffet. Because we may not be serving up filet mignon in the, in the natural, but we are in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Praise the Lord. So I just was thinking about that today. I don't think I've ever said that, but... You know, we have to remember that uh, these, uh, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, it is a man. So for instance, that, that gift, that grace to pastor is in me right now for you. It's, it's in me and it's on me. And I, I think I was telling Brother Paul how I, I'm, I will marvel at times at the operation of that gift out towards others because I know how limited I am. Amen. Amen. In my own, without that grace, and, and so you, you just have to, you have to understand the gift is in the package of a man. Yeah. The gift is in the package of a man. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got, man, I've got teachings, I've got volumes, I've got stuff I've printed out in mentoring, you know, about what's available in a, in a, in a prophet. Well, you know, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says that God does nothing. God does nothing in the earth except He first tells it to His servants, the prophets. So if you want to be a Christian that's in the know, on the cutting edge of what God is thinking right now. Hello? Hello? of what God is endeavoring to emphasize and do in the earth right now, you're going to have to recognize the voice of a prophet. Hallelujah. The, the Bible says in Amos 3, 7 that God does nothing in the earth except He first reveals it to His servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. 
And so as a pastor, I'm interested in what are the prophets saying? What are the prophets saying? And I feel for Christians, they're not even looking for that. They're not even, they don't recognize it. They ridicule it even. Well, they're missing out. They're missing out. And so one of the things you can understand about the prophet's office is um, what, what makes glad the heart of God makes glad the heart of a prophet. <laughs> what grieves the heart of God grieves the heart of the prophet. What bothers God will bother the prophet. So I, I like, you know, God just, God just see fit, and I wrote it in my book, you ought to read it, you know how I look back and how God has radically blessed my wife's life and I and our ministry through the office of the prophet. Right. I didn't ask for any of it. Much of it I didn't even recognize in the beginning. You know, when I didn't, I didn't know at that moment what was going to happen to me when, when Amber's pastor in her mother's living room kitchen handed me a little green book called Following God's Plan for Your Life by a man named Reverend Kenneth E. Hagin. Yeah. I had no idea as I took that book home what was about to happen in my life. I'm still, I spent over an hour today, 20 years, 25 years later, still reading, still marking up that book, still being blessed out of that book, still teaching out of that book. And then, so I was introduced to the ministry of a man named Kenneth Hagin. Amen. And he was more than a prophet, he was an apostle too, but he was, he was definitely a prophet of God and his ministry radically has just blessed my life. Amen. And then in 2003, God supernaturally, I mean, it's just supernaturally connected my wife and I in this ministry with Dr. Ed Dufresne, uh, one of the foremost prophets in the land. I mean, I don't have time to tell you some of the experiences I've had with that man of God. And he was my spiritual father for 10 years. Poured into my wife and I's life for 10 years. And he's still pouring into my, his books, his materials, his yeah. messages. And then a year and a half later, I was praying about his absence in my life, Dr. Dufresne. He went home in 2013 to be with the Lord. And because I was concerned, I, I sensed I needed a supply. But I felt strongly connected to Pastor Nancy. I'm just trying to thread this needle. How does this work? And God finally talked to me and said, Son, it's quite all right. You, nothing changes with her. She can still speak into your life as a pastor. You're a pastor. It's good to have a pastor that speaks into your life. But then I was sitting right behind Dr. I was in the second row in California. Pastor Nancy was ministering, but Dr. Jacobs was sitting. So if Chris was here and Arlene was here, that's me. And Dr. Jacobs was sitting here, and I'm just zeroed in at him. And God said, Son, it's okay. You need him, talking about Dr. Jacobs, and he needs you. So I just pulled the money, whatever I had. I think I had a $100 bill in my pocket after the service. It said, God spoke to me, Dr. Jacobs, and if you'll receive me, I'd like to submit my life and ministry to you as a son. He said, well, I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. <laughs> Let's sit down and talk about it. And uh, praise God. And he's been my spiritual father since then. But it's just, now I didn't, I wasn't trying to orchestrate this. I wasn't shopping for a prophet. I have never shopped for a prophet. But God has just ordered that in my life to put me in covenant relationships 
with this prophet's office. And I would not be the man of God I am, the minister I am, have the anointings in my mantle that I have today apart from the impartations that God has brought through that ministry gift. Amen. And so you just want to, this weekend, avail yourself of a different room in the Spirit. You know, I was thinking about this today, and um, here, here's one thing that would help you practically to come to these meetings, to get all God has for you. And that is to come to the meetings with a definite need or expectation. What do you need or want God to do for you? Is it a healing? Is it a financial breakthrough? Is it a revelation? Is it to be filled with the Spirit? Is it to have a marriage put back together? Is it all of the above? What do you want God to do for you? Amen. Now, I know there's a lot of changes between the New Testament prophet and Old Testament prophet. Again, you could get some insight into my book on that. Um, but I was thinking about so many interactions in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and in the Gospels, where a prophet's involved, is someone approach the prophet with a definite need or desire. So you think about Naaman, the Syrian, traveled a far distance. He was a Syrian. He had to come into the land where the prophet Elisha was. He didn't know anything about Elisha, but his servant girl said, Oh, would my master, if he only knew about the prophet and Elisha, he could be healed of his leprosy. And so when he heard about that, he loaded up all of his gear packed his bag, all of his camels, made that preparation, and he's going to the prophet. He's not going to the prophet for anything except to be healed of his leprosy. Amen. Amen. And when he got there, that's what he got. That's what he received. Now he almost missed it. Now here's another thing you need to know about receiving from a prophet to get all that God has for you. The, the prophet didn't minister to him like he thought with all the pomp and the circumstance and the, thus saith the Lord and the holding over my hand and wave something over me. He didn't even come outside. He sent his servant out there and says, go dip in the muddy Jordan seven times. And he almost missed it because the prophet ministered in a way that didn't make him feel good that he, did, he didn't come in the package he quite liked. Maybe you don't like a, a certain minister's package, the personality, the presentation. Listen, don't miss the substance of what you need from God because you don't like the package. You don't like the, the gel in his hair. You don't like the tie that he wore. What? I mean, people are silly. You know, some people, they, I like it, but some people, they just don't like the strength of the boldness of how some of the ministers that we have, even me, present the gospel. But I like it. Make it plain. Jerk the slack. These are important days. I don't have time to mess around. Spell it out to me. I'm not a baby. I can take it. I want to grow up. Hallelujah. And so, you know, Naaman nearly missed it, but his servant said, hey, 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 if he'd asked you to do something grand, some great thing, would you have done it? Yeah. he just asked you to do a simple thing. Go dip in the river seven times. Don't, 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 don't. And he's healed. But listen, he came 
and exposed his life to the prophet's ministry with a definite need in mind. Come to these meetings with a definite... Now don't meet him in the lobby and go, now I want you to know I'm expecting you to turn my marriage around while I'm here, you know. Trust God with it. Trust God with it. You think about Jesus who was a prophet. People would come and plead with him. My daughter's got a demon. Uh, you know, he asked Blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? What is it that you want? Listen, come to the meeting with that figured out already. Amen. Don't come going, I don't know. I didn't really want nothing. You're not going to get anything. And then you might walk away from the meeting going, I don't know why I came. Come with a definite expectation. Jesus would say, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, I do. And they walked away with it. Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So... Here's some quick things here about how to receive uh, and get all that God has for you. Some more insight I got this afternoon. Number one is don't forget to bring your honor with you. For two years, that's the reason this book I said is the most supernatural, is I got up in a Dr. Jacobs meeting that we were having here in these service, in these, in this building with Dr. And I was receiving his offering, and as I was receiving it, the Holy Spirit just Gave me revelation. And then the next year, he gave me a whole other nugget of revelation about honor's connection to the prophet's office and anointing. That's true for all the ministry gifts. The more you honor any ministry gift, the more you'll get out of them. But there's something specific about the prophet's office. And I don't have time to teach you that tonight, but you can go home and read this whole book before you go to bed. I mean, it's just not that long. And, uh, but there is an honor connection. Jesus went in Mark chapter 5 and had revival in a pagan land. Healed the centurion servant. Delivered the madman of Gadara. Raised uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead. That's a pretty good meeting. Come on, after, out of four services, if we saw the local Paducah madman totally delivered and in his right mind, Right? Uh, you know, a little girl raised from the dead. And, uh, you know, another local employee that was near death healed. That'd be a pretty good, pretty good meeting. But then in Mark chapter 6, he goes to his own hometown. And the Bible says there that they dishonored Jesus. They dishonored him. They got offended at him. They were familiar with him. They said, oh, we know this guy. We watched him grow up. That's his sisters over there. He's just like us. And they got nothing out of him. See, there's a prophet honor connection. And so if you want to get all that God has for you out of this meeting or really any church service, don't leave your honor at home. Don't leave your honor at the car. Don't, you know, bring it in with you. Now, you see, a lot of these are, would launch me out into six-week teaching series that I don't have time to get into. Amen. But, you know, to just a little nugget, you know, honor, understand what 
honor sees the value, number one. Honor sees the value of coming Sunday night when you're not normally here. Honor sees the value. That's what honor is. Honor is assessing the value of a person or a thing or an event or whatever and then treating that person, thing, or event accordingly. You, that is why, you know, during Brett and Sarah's wedding, everybody had clothes on that they don't normally wear. What is that? Honor. It is a recognition that this moment, what's happening here, this event, is of higher value than a Friday night get-together to watch a football game and eat pizza. And that's why people who show up at a wedding sloppily dressed are disrespectful. A lot of pastors are disrespectful to their office by the way they look when they get up behind the pulpit. I said it. It's true. I mean, one of my relatives, pastor, he, he preaches in exactly what I would look like if I rolled out of bed on a Saturday morning and wanted to go get a paper and a Slurpee from 7-Up. That's, dis that's disrespectful. That same minister would show up dressed for a wedding. But that, what does that say about what he thinks about his people? He wouldn't say that. Right. See, that's a little soapbox of mine. But see, you want to bring your honor with you, then you need to take a few days and meditate and think about what kind of value are you going to assess what's happening this weekend. And then you will act accordingly. Everybody will act according to the personal assigning of value that they put on it. Some will assign their golf time higher than that Sunday night or whatever. What I'm just making stuff up. And that, that heaven will register, they value golf more than my gift of the prophet. <laughs> so when I say bring your honor, um, praise God, I wrote this down or typed it. Uh, sh honor shows respect. If you have an, an opportunity to interact with him, fine, be human, but don't high-five the guy. Amen. It's my spiritual father you're talking about. You catch yourself, don't go, hey man. Just show, some, just show respect. I'm talking about a man who's been on over 135, 40 mission trips. Maybe not that many, 120. Paid for virtually all of them. Put himself in very dangerous situations. Been used of God, faithful to the ministry for over 40 years. Signs, wonders, and miracles. His prophecies come to pass. You don't get there overnight like that in the spirit and endure all those attacks. So whatever respect we can show, how about showing up on time? How about showing up looking nice? How about, come on. Walk straight, say hello, shake a night, whatever, show your respect. Amen? Another thing that honor does is honor handles with care. Honor handles with care. Amen. You know, when we break out our china, we handle that with care. Paper plate, toss that thing like a frisbee to the trash can. Nobody cares, right? But when you're talking about something precious, you handle it with care. Here's another thing. Honor prepares. Brett and Sarah, I mean, did you just show up here? Hey, oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot we're getting hitched on Saturday. Uh, what are the tables going to look like? Uh, do we have a preacher? Uh, what about a marriage license? No, 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 no. 
There was weeks, months even, of preparation. Why? Why? Why, guys? Because of the value, because of the moment, because of the holiness, because of the seriousness, because of the sanctity. And we have to renew our minds because I know that the, the modern church has said this is, uh, this is not necessary to come to church. It's, this is not necessary. But this is still a sanctuary. This is still a holy place. I'm believing for words from the Lord to come forth. I'm believing for impartations. I'm believing for healings and miracles. I'm believing for people to be delivered and set free from bondages and to have their lives turned around in this place. So if you're going to bring your honor, you're going to bring some preparation. Prepare your schedule if you can. Prepare your heart. How about preparing your heart? And then you can prepare by prayer. Pray a little bit for these meetings. Okay, I talked about another way to receive from a prophet is to have a definite expectation. So I talked about that. Another way that you receive from the prophet ministry is by responding. Don't come to any service for the rest of your life and sit there like a bump on a log. You are not going to get what God has for you like that. The more you respond, the more you will receive. It's up to you. Now collectively, the whole, for the whole corporate body, it's going to take enough of us responding as a unit to get as a church what God would have for us. But it begins by every soldier in the company coming willing to respond. Now, what do I mean by that? If we're praising and worshiping, which we will, don't sit there and wait for the song to end. Worship God. Praise God. Engage your heart. Amen. Uh, if, if whatever flow of the service is being emphasized that at right then, Make sure you're not standing on the bank watching the flow. Be in the flow. Be in the flow. <laughs> I mean, if, if the prophet of God said, got over in the spirit and said, if you could do a one-handed handstand push-up, you know, the Lord says he's going to pay your house off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to not break my neck. I'm going to respond. <laughs> I am going to respond. I've just learned it. If the Lord says run, I'm going to run even though it grades on my flesh. If the Lord says to shout, I'm going to shout. And if the Spirit of God, if the prophet is breaking the Word of God opening to us, then I am going to take it. I am going to grab hold of it. I am going to take it in. I'm going to receive fresh revelation. If there's, a healing, if there's a ministry line of any type that I at all could qualify for, I'm going to get in it. Amen. So you've got to respond. You've got to respond. Praise God. God's plans and purposes are very often thwarted because of a lack of response or a wrong response. 
I gave the example of Naaman. He almost missed his miracle by responding wrong. By copping an attitude and getting offended. You can miss your miracle. Amen. Amen. Many people, uh, you know, the, the, the prophet's office is, is corrective sometimes. And listen, when the prophet shows up and you're there and correction is offered that fits you, listen, that's a gift from Jesus to you. Amen. Jesus is trying to use that ministry gift to rescue your life. Just remember that. I remember Dr. Dufresne. The Lord told him is a large church and the Lord told him there are four couples here. They're all involved in praise and worship and they're swapping wives and committing adultery. The pastor knows it. He won't deal with it. You get up this morning and deal with it. How'd you like to be the prophet then? And, and, and God didn't, you know, give him a... Uh, a iPhone picture of their faces. They're out there in the crowd and God said, go find them. And this man of God, I know people who were in that service. I wasn't there personally, but they were in. I'm glad I wasn't there because the next thing he did, there were four sections and Dr. Dufresne said, okay, pointed to one of his spiritual sons, a preacher, and said, you go to that section and find them. And you got another son, you go to this section and find them. I'll go to this section and I'll find them. And you go to this section and find them. So three, I'll be like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. Right? We say we want the move of God. This, might, this is part of what the move of God looks like. God will clean stuff up. And he wasn't trying to... He was trying to rescue that church. Notice what he said. The pastor knows about it. He will not deal with it. Long story short, they found all four of those people. They all broke down. They resisted at first. They would come up and go, you're it. And they would go, no, I'm not. You missed it. But they just stood their ground. And before, just a few seconds later, they're in, there, they're in the altar crying about it. All four of them were identified by the Spirit supernaturally. This is the office of... Now, some of you may not come. You're like, I ain't coming. <laughs> I told you to prepare your heart. Amen. Man, when I got around Dr. Dufresne, I repented three times over. I repent, I repent. Father, heaven must record. You cannot tell this to that man of God. I repent. <laughs> <laughs> repent of it all. And then do it again because it's a year of the devil. No, no, not come. But see, and this is how this is how crazy people are. That pastor got offended with Dr. Dufresne for having done that. And that church does not exist. It folded. God was trying to rescue those lives, that pastor, and that whole church. But they didn't want to receive the correction. Ooh, ha, 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 glory. This place in Proverbs says the reproofs, the reproofs are our life. I didn't say that exactly right, but life, if you want life, includes the necessity at times of being reproved. 
No, no doctor's not thinking about coming here and getting on everybody's case. But if he gets over in that prophet's office, which is what we want. My prayer in this day of shaking in these last days is, let it be, Lord, whatever I need, whatever we need to move forward to have victory, let it be so, Lord. Amen? I think maybe the last thing I'll say here is, you know, to get all that God has for us, that uh, we need to do what we can to set the atmosphere. And honor sets that atmosphere. But having prayed will help set that atmosphere. Amen? And so just, just, just lifting up the meetings. We've taught you in times past, many of you know about the five things from the Word of God that you could pray for, for the minister. I'm sorry I don't have that available right now. But, uh, but to even just say, now, Father, I lift up your will. Praise God. And just take off praying in other tongues for 15 minutes. Do something. And then when you come in, you've brought your honor. You've prepared your heart. You are coming to respond. You have a definite expectation. Oh, I tell you what, we'll have a meeting. Amen. We'll have a meeting. And as excited as I am for us and the dynamic we get to share week after week, service after service of coming into the pastor's room, it's by God's design. Pastors are important. But these other ministry gifts are... The Bible says God has set these gifts in the church. And I can't find when he didn't unset the prophet's office. It's still, and we are privileged to be in a company of believers that not only recognizes that is a legitimate ministry gift, but we know one, not a flaky one, a proven one. One who loves us and who's taking of his time and schedule to be with us. Amen. Get anything out of that tonight?